<clears throat> so this morning, Sam covered quite a bit in the first service about like, we want this to be a place where God is, right? So look in your handout real quick. I just want to remind us as we go into a brief season of prayer here. At the top of your handout up there in that little text box, our class verse for 2022, Genesis 49, 22, Joseph has a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow, bow is just a branch, by a well whose branches run over the wall. And I just want to let, maybe we can reimagine that, that, that scene where you have a bow, you have a branch coming off of a tree, there's fruit on it, there's a well there, and then there's walls, okay, because the branches run over the wall, right? So can you picture that garden where there's the well, the tree with a branch bearing fruit, and then that extends over the wall? You see all those things, and we've talked about this before, but what a beautiful picture of fellowship Okay, that's your walls. It's a protected place in the well. There's our John 4 living well, your relationship with God, which overflows. There's the branch, which is part of something bigger than itself. There's our class or, or your small group, which is a its own thing, but actually part of something bigger than itself. And it bears fruit. Now, from that from that reality, that branch then extends over the wall. Okay, but there's that garden first. There's the well first. There's the branch first. There's the fruit first. And then, you guys, we can extend what we have together to others, but only after we have our walls and our well and our branch and our fruit. You guys see that? Sam was talking about, look, I don't want you comfortable at Midtown. I want you to know God's in this place. So we're, we're, our, we're in the middle of our hospitality series. But before we can be truly charitable through hospitality, one to another and then to others, this has to be a place where God is at home, where, where God is honored. Like our homes need to be somewhere that we could like invite people to when they can, well, this has to be a place where we can invite God to and he's going to feel comfortable here. Not that you guys know what I'm saying. It has to be God honoring. It has to be, we have to acknowledge his presence. And that's why we've been starting off our class times each week by just going to prayer and acknowledging the presence of God. There's a part of me that says, I'm a father, and I just want to raise up my hands. And then there's a part of me that wants to take off my shoes because this is holy ground. Like there's both components. There's the awe and the trembling because you know what? I didn't live perfectly this week. And I'm going to come into the presence of God and I'm going to lead others or I'm going to say, thus saith, oh, Lord, I, I, this is holy ground. I better take my shoes off. But then there's part of me, too, that recognizes the only righteousness and anointing that I have is actually his spirit through me. It's not me. And it's just Abba Father. You guys see those things? Oh, God is in this place. Let's just acknowledge his presence in prayer together. Let's just acknowledge who he is and be grateful and thankful. But at the same time, let's be respectful and then just ask him to have his way. So let's just do that here. And then Marla will close us out in, uh, in a few minutes.
So we are in our hospitality series, week number five. The topic this morning, okay, the topic this morning is the opportunity of a lifetime. So, you know, don't sleep through this one. This is Bitcoin in 2010, Mike, like, like, you know what I'm talking about. This, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You don't want to miss this. We're going to be, we're, so open your Bibles to 3 John, grab your handout. Last week, we saw that it's living according to God's ways that pleases God and brings joy. Now, now we all knew that. I know you know that. And I, I felt a little silly for even saying it. However, what we miss out on is that when we lack joy, we don't go back to this reality. So somehow I can know that it's living according to God's word that pleases God and brings joy to my life and your life. Okay. But I can still lack joy in my life, but then I just fall for all the other voices that say your lack of joy is the fault of society. Your lack of joy is your boss's fault. Your lack of joy is your spouse's fault. Your lack of joy is that, you see, you got that puppy. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but it's not. And now you think your lack of joy is related to some circumstance. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? If we have a lack of joy, we have a lack of fellowship with God and others. It's one of those two things. And I know circumstances sometimes get heavy but it should not affect our joy according to the word of God. Number two, we saw last week, this is related. You're actually not here for you. Like you're here for, for me. That, that's the thing that God set up. And I'm not here this morning to get what I can get this morning. I'm, I'm here for you to, to show you love, to, to be in relationship, to share the things of God together. And when we do that, it's beautiful. Okay. We get hung up sometimes though, because we think we're on this planet for our own sakes. And the world is my, you know, it's my window shopping. Like I'm, I'm just here in the world to see what I can get out of it. Okay. Who's tried that and found it leads to frustration. There's nothing out there. It's a dry and thirsty land. Okay, so we're not here for us. We're here for others, just like Christ came. That's what we're here for, and that's where we find our purpose. Maslow talks about self-actualization. You know, for the Christian, that's all, you know, psychological talk. In terms of our faith, though, when we reach the capstone of Christian maturity, we reach the place where it's just like, and I've got everything I need from the Lord. I'm just going to live my life to be a blessing to others. I'm really needy when I'm walking in the spirit, when I'm connected with God. And I can spend my time being a blessing to others. And that's called charity when we give of ourselves to others. And that, that is what we're here for. Okay, so we saw that charity through hospitality is a pathway for us to be fruitful in our fellowship. We're going to see that more and more moving forward, class. Like, get ready to have some fruit in your life as we learn to be charitable through hospitality. And then we had that homework where we were supposed to pray for a reconnection with somebody. Because what, 
Wagi said when it got really practical at the end last week, here's what Wagi said is, you need to make time for other people. If you're too busy for other people, then you, then wh like, why are, what do we learn on all this stuff for if we can't apply it because we're too busy? And you're not going to have time. You got to carve out time. You got to make time to just be charitable for others. And I think that'll become more real to us as we start doing it, right? But it's so true. Okay, so this week, Third John, you guys with me in Third John? All right, verse six. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. That which that, that is referring to those traveling missionary bands, those groups of traveling missionaries who stayed at Gaius's house on their way. That's who he's talking about. So those guys have borne witness of thy charity before the church. They came back and they bragged on the hospitality of Gaius. That's what he's saying. Whom, speaking of those missionary bands, those groups of missionaries, if thou shalt bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, colon, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. Now that that's worded maybe a little bit strange, especially like that after a godly sort part in there, that, that, that phrase. That phrase is referring to the next verse. Okay, so after a godly sort, because that for his name's sake they went forth. And what that means is, if you have hospitality that's appropriate for the fact that these guys are servants of God, thou shalt do well. That, that's, it, it's usually we refer backwards to an antecedent on that. This is, is looking forward to the next verse that where it says after a godly sword. That's what that means. Does that make sense? They're God's people. Make sure your hospitality is becoming of someone who is God's people. That's, that's what that means. So, all right, let's look at it. So in this passage, we see this first phrase that says, which have borne witness of thy charity. And then the first point here is provision. So the provision for those who went, these traveling missionary bands that stayed at Gaius's house, their provision came from the charity of those who stayed. Okay? Now, Gaius, he... He, he was in the place that these missionaries went to in this context. He wasn't in the place missionaries came from. So you got people coming and going all over the place, right? And it's like Andrew Ong. He's going all over the country meeting with like-minded churches to see if, if they want to partner with him in prayer. And when he goes, he's, you know, he and Rachel and the kids, if they go there, they're, they're going to stay in someone's house as they come and with this church. But then he comes back here. So there's people here. There's people there. So not Gaius, he's just at his house and the missionaries happen to stay with him. But Gaius didn't go anywhere. So, so Gaius's charity provided a place for the people who were sent. Okay, so look at Romans 16, 23. Okay, Romans 16, uh, 22 and 23. This is the part of Romans that you just skim over. 
you've been through the whole book, you got the doctrine, you got the practice. And this is just basically Paul saying, see you later. This is his salutation, his goodbye. And typically we don't come over this, but look at what it says. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, so Tertius was writing down what Paul, what Paul said. He said, I salute you in the Lord. And then look at verse 23. Gaius, my host, and of the whole church, salute you. Hey, there's Gaius. There he is right there. Who, what was Gaius doing in, in, in this book of Romans? What's he being recognized for? For his hospitality. The same thing that John is recognizing him for in the epistle of John. Okay. Now, there's three different Gaiuses in, in, in your New Testament. Did you know that? Okay, so go to the next slide here. We've got Gaius of Macedonia. Okay, so Gaius, the guy who lived up here, Gaius of Macedonia. We have the Gaius of Derby. Derby's over here, just west of Tarsus, up there in Asia Minor. And then you've got Gaius of Corinth. Now, I think this is our guy. Gaius of Corinth, okay? Because Romans was written from Corinth, all right? And then, you know, if, if you go all the way and if you look at those different people that in the last chapter of Romans, you know, it's like, oh, hey, he was the treasurer of Corinth. And, and so anyway, I think this is our guy because Romans was written from Corinth and that's what we just read about in Romans 16, but also he was recognized for his hospitality. So, you know, would you rather, if you're hungry, would you rather have one ripe apple or 20 non-ripe apples, green apples? You take one ripe apple, right? If you're hungry, because it's going to take like two weeks for the green ones to ripen. You want, can't wait that long. Okay. Gaius was like, he didn't, we don't see him being gifted in 20 different ways in scripture. He wasn't a jack of all trades. All we see about him is he was a host. Hospitality was his thing, right? Gaius, mine host, Paul says, and of the whole church. And then in John, in 3 John, hey, your charity is being spoken of in the church. These guys who stay with you, they come back and they brag about your hospitality. And so I say that for two reasons. I want to point this out. One reason is there may be some here, okay? Your main thing is going to be hospitality. Maybe you're not going to evangelize a lot. And maybe you're not going to go on a lot of trips. But you... Maybe hospitality is going to be your thing. And I would just say this, like, man, I, for all eternity, it'd be pretty cool to be Gaius instead of be me and you. I mean, I don't know, but at least me. My Gaius made the book. Sized Gaius. Well, Gaius was the host of the whole church. He's being bragged of already on earth for all eternity be cool to be Gaius. And if your deal is going to be hospitality, I would just say, listen, be at peace with that. Continue to move forward in your faith in terms of the structure we have here at Midtown. But look, you, 
If that's your spiritual gift, don't feel bad if you're not doing a bunch of other stuff. Make sense? Um, and I don't remember what my second point was I was going to make on that. So it'll probably be covered here in the thing. So, okay. Um, so anyway, the thing to understand so far is the people who went were provided for by the charity of those who stayed home. Okay, number two. Whom, if thou bring forward on their journey. And so, so just I just want to point this out. This is a historical application that we need to understand. The progression of the church, okay, the gospel spread throughout the world as some of God's people were sent and they went. And there were people that were going and doing and evangelizing and discipling and planting churches and establishing elders, encouraging one another, taking money back and forth, taking letters back and forth. And there was just a lot of going back and forth. And it, and it happened as the Holy Spirit sent some. Okay. A commission starts with, go ye therefore. Sometimes I hear like, well, look, you're the missions pastor and we're sending all these people and it's costing all this money. Why can't we just make a video? Just make a video with all the teaching and send that to Boston. And then all the Christians there can just watch the video. Well, the Great Commission doesn't start with make a video. It starts with go. And, and Alan Shelby says, ministry runs on the rails of relationship. And I know this, when I go somewhere where it's really hard, when I go to the villages in India to meet with the church planters, I teach stuff. I teach stuff that I, maybe I teach in our Bible Institute. But you know what really helps those guys who are on the front lines of Christianity? Like you can feel the oppression and they're being persecuted and they're living on nothing. You know what really helps them is when I say, see you and can i just tell you on behalf of the church in america you know this is a hard place to minister and we see you and we're for you and we're praying for you and listen it's worth it hang in there we have a mutual faith and and, and if i come back in a few years and you'll have quit man that would make me so sad or if you heard through Christodos or Pradeep that I just quit, that, that would make you sad. But listen, I'm not going to quit, and don't you quit. And until Christ comes back, we're going to continue to do this mission that God gave us together. And we're going to do the same thing there that you're doing here. That you can't do with a video, and you can't just do with a letter. We're supposed to go and encourage and love and have relationships with the built on the fact that someone was just willing to go from comfortable to uncomfortable. Okay, I know it's uncomfortable to call that old friend and say, hey, sorry I missed your birthday for the last 20 years, but hey, you want to get, like, like, I know it's uncomfortable, but they're not going to come. It's our job to go, and even if it's that simple of an application, but what happened was as people went, the gospel went and churches were established. Okay, so the next part says, if thou will 
bring them, if thou bring forward, bring them forward on their journey. Okay, so they were brought on their journey by God's, by, by the givers. Okay, so let's go on to the next slide here. Okay, God's kingdom expanded through love. You guys see that? It was charity. It was self-sacrifice. You know how, how, how some of the Moravians got to where they were going? They sold themselves into slavery. Why? So they could get to the new world and reach slaves with the gospel. Yeah, that's hardcore, isn't it? Well, okay. We what if? Okay, I'll just I'll just paint a what if. What if you had to spend the rest of your life in slavery? Like I don't know how many years you got left. Uh, maybe I I don't know. I won't even throw it out there because it'd be funny, but you might be mad at me at the same time. Okay, but we'll just say I have by reason of strength, I get to 80. So I've got just, I've got 27 years left. If I had to sell myself into slavery for 27 years, but I got to share the gospel with one person who then received Christ and for all eternity All eternity would be with us. Would that be a would that be worth it? Yeah, 27 years is nothing. I mean, what fellowship I would have of Christ during those 27 years. I would be joining. Now, I'm not saying I don't even think it's possible to do that. I, I'm not saying I want to do that or that we're going to start that ministry. <laughs> Just saying, if you think about it with a spiritual mind, it was love. It was, God's kingdom didn't expand through manipulation, through religion. It expanded through love as people were just willing to go. And then they can't go on their own, right? Like someone's got to put gas in the car. Someone's got to put food in their belly. Someone's got to give them a place to stay so they can get refreshed for the next leg of the journey. So, so, so it has to be the charity of someone who's willing to open up their home and be hospitable. Okay, so both the goer and the givers are sacrificing, but that's how God's kingdom expanded. Okay, so because it says they took nothing, taking nothing of the Gentiles. So if I say, okay, listen, I want you to go and don't, you know, when you get there, you can't take anything from the people that you're going to be serving there. It's like, well, how am I going to eat? I just say, oh, God will provide, right? That would require some faith, wouldn't it? Okay, God's going does require faith. Absolutely. So does giving. Look at first, turn to First Kings with me. We'll look at some passages here and then we'll try to get this wrapped up. First Kings. If you're looking for First Kings, it's right before Second Kings. 
Uh-huh. Okay. First Kings chapter 17. So Elijah the Tishbite was of the inhabitants of Gilead, verse 1. He talks to Ahab. He says it's not going to do or rain for years to come until I say. And then in verse 3, God tells Elijah, go eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherish that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt have drink of the brook and I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Imagine getting those orders from God. Because sometimes you don't know if you heard from God or not. Sometimes you're like, well, pastor, I, I think God's leading me to do this, but I'm not sure. Okay, when God says, go to the brook and the birds are going to bring you your food, that's one of those things where you're like, well, I'm not sure I'm hearing from God because it's so crazy what I'm hearing. Okay, but look what Elisha did. Elijah did. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he dwelt by the brook Cherith, that's before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank from the brook. But then the brook dried up. Okay? So then the Lord says to him, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Uh, so he arose and went there, and he did that. And there's this woman gathering sticks. He said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And so she did that. And he says, Bring, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said, I fear not. Fear not? I got my last biscuit. I can't provide for my kids. And you're saying, fear not? Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me <laughs> first, like, oh my goodness. And then, so here's what God said. He said, look, if I, he's going to provide your meal, your, your grain, your, you know, that you're going to use to make the bread, it's not going to run out and your oil won't run out. Listen, it takes faith for Elijah to go, but it also takes faith for this woman to provide. You guys see that? That pattern we can see all through Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 6 with me. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 11. And Jesus, and he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and don't put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. Okay. He's, Jesus sends his people out. Now, the good news is they don't have any baggage. Okay? Some of you have baggage. You can just leave all that behind and start serving the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a sermon in that that we're not going to cover this morning. 
However, he sends him out complete like a stick and sandals and one jacket. That's it. Go. And then you're going to find places to stay in the different cities and, and whatever, wherever they receive you, stay in that place. That requires faith to go. Okay, we'll move on. It says, for his name's sake, right? Back in 3 John. You'll do well if you show them charity because that for his name's sake, they went forth. Okay, so a couple things out of this. First of all, those who receive the sent ones receive the sender. All right, so if Jesus sent those disciples out and someone receives them, Jesus said, that's like you're receiving me. In fact, it's like you're receiving my father. So, the, so that's really powerful. John 13, 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So Jesus is sending out the 12. He's saying, listen, if they receive you, really they're receiving me because I'm the one who sent you. And really, they're receiving my father because he's the one that's really doing all this. Now, just picture this for a second. Hang on, Gaius. When he receives Paul and his traveling band of missionaries, man, how cool would that be to host Paul? He's Paul, Tertius, and all these guys, right? No, you're really receiving Jesus. Okay, as cool as it would be to host Paul, how cool would it be to host the Lord? And really, if you're receiving Jesus, you're receiving the Father. Okay, talk about the opportunity of a lifetime. Matthew 10, 40, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. There's fellowship with God when we have fellowship with the those who are serving God. Okay, we've got to keep moving. Next, okay, this sort thing. If thou will bring them forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. And so the fruit here, th this fruit part is referring to the doing well. So what if you do become a hospitable person and you start hosting traveling missionaries that come through Kansas City. And just listen, anytime, anytime you're coming through Kansas City, know you have a place to stay here. There's going to be a warm bed and a hot meal, and, and, and we'll take care of you the best we can, and, and you'll always be welcome here. What if you just become that kind of person? Is that going to result in eternal rewards? And, and the answer is yes, it will. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth the righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Okay, what? What's that talking about? So there's two ways, okay, if you look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, there's two ways that you can get a prophet's reward. One, you can be a prophet. And you can wear camel skin and live in the desert 
and go tell people the truth and get killed for it. And you're eating honey and locusts and not cutting your hair and just being a general hardcore, just bad to the bone weirdo for Jesus. Like you can go be a prophet if God calls you to that. The other thing you can do is you can receive a prophet because he's a prophet. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, in other words, if you receive a prophet because he is a prophet of the almighty God, then you receive a prophet's reward. Doesn't say God divides up that reward and gives some to the prophet and gives the rest to you. No, you get a prophet's reward if you receive a prophet. Now that's in the gospels. We would want to see the equivalent in the Pauline epistles to the church age before we start trying to apply that personally. But here's what we have in Philippians chapter four, verse 16. Paul said, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again to my necessity. Talking about the people that gave to support his ministry. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that may abound to your account. So in other words, if I give to support Paul the evangelist, Paul the discipler, Paul the leader trainer, Paul the church planner, if I give to support Paul, that which I give results in fruit to my account. Here's the opportunity of a lifetime, you guys, listen. You don't have to be a church planner to get the reward of a church planner. You don't have to be an evangelist to get the reward of an evangelist. Now you should be an evangelist and you should want to be a church planner. I want to be all those things, okay? I have a yes problem. Like, yes, I want to do everything. God's like, no, you can't do everything. You don't do any of it well. Just do the one, like, you know, I want to do all that stuff. But listen, if I am not called to be a church planter, I can still have the reward of a church planter by giving or by being charitable to church planters. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. Do you have a prophet's reward waiting for you in eternity future? Well, I don't see any prophets. Okay. But if you supported a prophet, yes, you do. Okay. Now, do you have an evangelist reward waiting for you in eternity future? If you are good at evangelism and you're like, then yes, you do. Nick, I don't know. You've won a lot of people to Christ. There's a crown for that, right? But if I support Nick, if I take him to where the people are and I feed him, guess what? I get fruit from his work to my account. And I, I'm not saying it like I don't want to serve God, but I, I didn't have to go do evangelism. I just had to provide for the people that do. Well, that's the opportunity of a lifetime. You guys see that? It's amazing. Okay, so for us personally, we got people, partnerships, and 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 prizes. So so Scott Growth is going to Kenya. Scott Growth is going to Kenya for the month of November. Did you guys know that? Somebody, wasn't me. But somebody anonymously gave to pay his way. How cool is that? 
So Scott's like, very cool. Amen. Like, woohoo! what a blessing for Scott and Marla. Amen. Because you know what? It ain't just to Kenya. Okay. Here's the cool thing. That anonymous person will have rewards in eternity that come from fruit that Scott grows out on that field. You guys see that? Okay. So praise the Lord. We got Wagi Boutros in our class. So let's just keep it close to home. Wagi and Lois were getting ready to go. And I just had this, like this little thing, like, should I, you know, should I help them get there? Should I help them with the journey in some way to get to Denver? It's a long way. It's a long trip. And I didn't do anything. Like I just, the, you know, that Wagi led a, a young man from the Middle East to the Lord on Friday during one of the Bible studies out in Laramie. Isn't that cool? It's a guy most of us probably wouldn't have been able to lead to the Lord, just culturally, okay? Kind of wish I would have helped them get there. You know, because I, seriously, I could have had a part in that. For a tank of gas, I could have had an evangelist reward because I was charitable and just wanted to be part of what God's doing. And so I missed that opportunity of a lifetime. Wagi, by the way, he's a hybrid. He's a church planner. But he's also a missionary, right? So he's he's building an Arabic fellowship here, which will eventuate into a, an Arabic English speaking local church in Kansas City to win souls, make disciples, train leaders, and send. That, that's what he's working on. But he also has to go three or four times a year to Egypt and South Sudan to teach in the seminary as part of his missions work there. So he's a hybrid. Plus he's living in the U.S. So he's not going to get missionary support from people who are looking for traditional missionaries who are out on the field because he's here planning a church. So, so he's a hybrid. So he does not get supported very well financially. He's a giving opportunity on our website, but people just typically... They, they want to give to someone who's on the other side of the world, or they want to, to support a church plant that's already being planted. And he's he's like this hybrid, right? Man, he, he would be someone to get behind and see if, man, I'm going so long. Okay, so, so personally, here's, here's what we need to do. Okay. Application. Decide if you're a goer or a giver, or both. Maybe you're maybe you're a goer and a giver. But maybe you're a goer. Maybe you're a giver. So if you're a giver, figure out how to be charitable to someone who is a fruitful goer. Do not open your doors to heretics and dangerous people. But but if you have someone who you know is a fruitful goer, man. Get in on that action. You will have fruit from their work if you will support them in some way. So maybe you, you, maybe you have a house. You're going to become really good at hosting. For us, part of the problem is it seems like it takes three days of work to get ready for the thing. And then it's like two days cleaning up afterwards. And it's like, ah, oh, such a big thing. And like, we ought to just get a lot more streamlined. Like, get, like does that make sense? We're getting better. Maybe it's down to two days, but this seems like I don't like we could get better at that. 
we are hosting right now. We have one of our missionary's daughter living with us for one to four years. As she works, we have an extra bedroom with a bathroom. Praise the Lord. She's just up there. She just jumps in. She's part of the family. So we have that as something that we can do. You're like, well, I don't have that in my house. Well, then don't do that. But, but here's the discussion in your small groups. What can you do? How are you going to support? Maybe it's five bucks a month. Maybe it's $500. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how much people give or how much people make. No clue on any of that, by the way. Pastors here don't know who gives what. You know, if you're giving a lot and you're looking for like accolades, you're not going to get it because I have no clue. You know what I mean? Every once in a while, someone gives like $20,000 to missions. I have no idea who that is. I don't want to know because we are not a respecter of persons, but maybe it's giving. But anyway, you want to find some way to get in on the opportunity of a lifetime. But we're running really short on time. We've only got about 10 minutes left in our small groups. Here's what we're going to do. Us in your small groups, look, am I a giver or a goer or both? How can I get in on this opportunity of a lifetime where I can get rewards from someone else's labor by either giving, hosting, being charitable, something like that? Make sense? You guys all with me? I'll quit talking. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, we, we, we do want... We do want the reward of an evangelist by supporting evangelists. And we do want the, the, the reward of a church planner by supporting church planners. And Lord, the people that supported Paul, they're so glad they did. And God, we don't want to give because we have to or we feel guilted into it. But God, if we can take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime, God, would you help us to just see clearly and work through that now? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.